on, everybody? This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio Show. Glad to be back again, along with a special guest, Jennifer Santiago. She is the content development and also speaker management for Sand Summit. And it's a true pleasure to have you on the show. And I would love to get to know more about what you do and also have you share you know, your background with the viewers and listeners. Sure. Thank you. This is fun. <laughs> so I have worked with SANS for about eight years now, and I work specifically on our summits. So a lot of people are familiar with SANS training courses, which are, you know, the long, really intense, hands-on technical training courses that last anywhere from two to six days. But we also have our summits, which are more like a traditional two-day conference setup, where we've got talks and panels and some workshops. And so I recruit speakers. I work with our SANS subject matter experts to develop the agendas um, for our 16 summits a year. Wow. Yep. 16. Mm -hmm. Which <laughs> one's your lot. favorite? Oh. If you're allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go on record saying. I really love the Defer Summit, which we do every summer in Austin, because it kind of feels like a family reunion. There's right. a lot of repeat attendees, and it's just a lot of fun. And it's nice to have an event in Austin. But it's what's great about summits is everyone has a really distinct personality. And what works really well at one summit doesn't work at another summit. And so I have never had an opportunity to get bored. Very nice. Yeah. How did you get into organizing these events and kind of getting to the point where you're at today? I, I accidentally kind of fell into event management after I graduated. I had a friend from college who went into HR and she went to work for a publishing company that also did events. And she said, hey, you know what? You'd be good at this. You should just come in for like an exploratory interview. And somebody had quit that day. And wow. so it was just, I feel like everybody has one of those stories of just serendipity or just right. dumb luck. I was in the right place at the right time. And then I was kind of like, ooh, I like doing this. I like events. I like the satisfaction of doing something from start to finish. Yeah. And I will say that doing speaker management, my, my background in psychology comes in handy on a mm. regular basis. So. Yeah, you have a background in psychology. And did I also see that you were a part of an orchestra? Oh, wow, you dug deep. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I actually play the flute. Nice. I I don't want to say I played it because I want to think I will pick it up again. But mm -hmm. you know how adulthood is and responsibility and having kids. I don't play it much anymore. But How yeah. often would you say? A couple times a year? Or? Oh, no, more often than that. Okay. Every few weeks I'll get the bug and I'll get it out and play that it. That is bit. awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. How many talks would you say you've listened to since being at SANS? Oh, God. Could you even calculate <gasps> no, that? No. <laughs> I mean, I probably could, but math is not my strong suit. <laughs> hundreds. Absolutely hundreds. So what are the things that you particularly look for in a speaker? Obviously, you've had the, the privilege to actually bring in most of the speakers for SANS. Mm -hmm. So what are the th things you actually look for? So we have what we call our SANS promise, which means every talk, every class, any content that SANS gives you, you will take away something actionable that you can use as soon as you go back to work. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for talks that have that real world case study. Here's a thing that happened to me and you probably don't want it to happen to you. So I'm going to tell you all the steps I took to solve this problem so you can learn from this. Um, or here's a cool new tool that I found and I don't know your business, but I know how I use this tool and you might find that really useful on your own. Mm -hmm. So in terms of content, that's what I'm always looking for is the actionable takeaway. Right. And then in terms of speakers, 
I love bringing in new speakers. Actually, I don't know if you saw on Twitter yesterday, I was just doing the confirmations for talks for our Cyber Threat Intelligence Summit for January of next year. Mm-hmm. You might know about that because you're going to be speaking there. Yep, again. Yep, yeah, very nice. That's where we <laughs> met last heard. year. That'll be our anniversary. It is. And so last year, I partnered with WISP, which is Women in Security and Privacy, run by Rachel Toback, which is an amazing organization. Very familiar. I do not think that Rachel sleeps. I don't know how <laughs> she does everything she does. She is just a master of networking and connecting people. And I want to be her when I grow up. She's fantastic. And so she did a Twitter promotion and gave away a seat to the CTI Summit. And a woman named Sarah Yoder got the ticket and she came. And we actually had a focus group while we were there about women in security and getting more women to submit to CFPs and give conference talks. And Sarah sat in on that and she was great and had a lot of interesting feedback. And then she and a colleague submitted a talk through the call for presentations this year and Mm -hmm. she just got selected. Very cool. So and she tweeted out, hey, I went to this last year, you know, as a guest, I won this ticket and now I'm going to be on the stage. And that's like, for me, that is the biggest win. Yeah, that was actually uh, my goal uh, when we did the lightning talk uh, Mm -hmm. last earlier this year. And that was my goal was to just get on the stage at the CTI summit. And you've told a few people about our story. And what's crazy is just from that five minute lightning talk, uh, mm-hmm. you actually offered me uh, the keynote for here at the uh, threat in, uh, hunting summit That's for right. SANS. What, was there anything in particular that stood out to you? And, and, and what are you actually telling people when you tell people this story? Oh, sure. So First of all, there's there's a confidence. I I am always willing to coach new speakers and give you best practices, but there's a certain confidence that people have that can't be taught. And so what you did that really impressed me. So our lightning talks for anybody who doesn't know, we'll just kind of have a spontaneous session that we stand up and you can sign up for a five minute slot just as you're watching talks throughout the day, you might think, you know what, I have a cool thing to talk about or I've wanted to speak, but it's too scary, but I can try this out in this little group with, you know, Mm -hmm. just a five minute talk. And so you signed up for one and you just killed it. You just owned the stage. And not (laughs) only that, but everybody else had had prepared a few slides, which is fine. Slides can often be valuable and Mm -hmm. they can also be, you know, a safety net help you organize your thoughts but you had no slides <laughs> and you were just had a really authoritative aura and confidence and I just kind of watched you the whole time thinking as soon as he comes off the stage <laughs> I'm going to get him for many future summits oh, and wow. so I wish that there was something that I could bottle because there's certain people that you can just tell that's a really authoritative person who's engaging. Yesterday's talk that David Bianco and Kat Self from Target did together. Mm-hmm. So Matt Bromley, who's co-chairing the summit, and I were talking to David and Kat beforehand. And this is the first time we've ever met Kat. And Matt is doing one of those spontaneous sessions today. He's doing some live debates. Yep. Mm. And he'll just grab people and say, hey, we're going to, it's a little bit silly, but there's a little bit of value. You know, they debate on technical topics. Yep. Um, And so before we ever saw Kat speak, he said, you're going to be on the debates tomorrow. And she said, okay, you sure? Oh, wow. And he was like, yep. And so after her talk, which was great, she said, why did you ask me before you had ever seen me speak? And he said, I could just tell. There's just a confidence that you can just tell. And I think that it can be learned, but it can't really be taught. I can't Mm, tell you how to do what Chris does with confidence, but, but it takes a lot of practice. 
And I'm always willing to help people with coaching to build up the confidence that comes with experience. And also we have advisory boards for all of our summits. Ron, you're on the advisory board for our um, cloud and secure DevOps, and you're on the advisory board for our CTI summit now. Mm -hmm. And so we'll often ask advisory board members to mentor new speakers and give them tips and, you know, you can, you can give them the real stuff. You can go off message from Sands and say, look, I'm going to tell you what really works or what doesn't work. And so I am so here for that to bring in new people. That is outstanding. Wow. What tips would you have? I know for me, when I first started presenting, it was a little bit of a mysterious area, a little not as confident as I am now, but Mm -hmm. definitely I have some personal experience that are that are very specific to me. Mm-hmm. What is something that is generic that could give someone more confidence in submitting their CFP or going up for their first presentation? Sure. Well, we actually have a great talk on our website. So Britta Glade is the she's basically does what I do, but on a much larger, more experienced scale for RSA conference. Mm. And she did a 15 minute talk at an event for us on what RSA looks for in talk submissions. And so it's worth having a look at. If you do go to sands.org slash summit, you can find it on there. And she's fantastic. So you really set yourself apart in the submission, right? Mm -hmm. Just like sending in your resume. If it has lots of mistakes in it, if you haven't followed the instructions, ours is pretty hard to make up your own format because we have a form online. But you really doing your research, a lot of times I'll have videos from a previous year's event and I will include those on the CFP. So if you say, hey, I do DevOps and I've had a cool project, I might want to go talk about it. You can go and look at the slides from last year's event. You can often look at videos from last year's event. So you're getting a sense of what kinds of talks we're looking for. And it doesn't mean you have to do exactly that. I always like fresh ideas, but right. then you'll see what works, which talks we've chosen to publish, and that helps you. So it's always a matter of doing your research before you submit and feeling like, I know what you want, or I know what you don't know you want yet, but you're going to want it because <laughs> I've got something cool and new, yep. but it fits into what you're already doing. So that's the biggest thing to do before you even submit is doing the research. I can tell, and Britta has told me she can tell, when somebody just has an abstract that they write up and they're basically just throwing it at the wall to see what sticks. (laughs) Yep. So I saw a meme, uh, I think it was yesterday, and it was like my abstract and it showed like the Game of Thrones dragon like breathing fire and it was like my actual talk and it was the little chrome dinosaur that that you can play the game when uh, Paige doesn't show up. Yeah. It was was hilarious. So you have something called like a ghostwriter. Is there such thing as like a ghost briefer? Like can someone that's so afraid to be up on stage but they have something really, really impactful that they want to deliver to somebody and like, hey, can you go brief this for me? Have you seen anything like that before? Um, sure. But I, in that situation, I'd say find a co-presenter. Right. So, you know, somebody you know, somebody you trust, somebody who's a colleague, you know, somebody who's maybe a more experienced speaker. So if you have a colleague who did something cool and you go to her and say, you should go talk about this at events. And she's like, I, I just can't right. do that. Then you guys go and do it together. She benefits from your confidence. You, it's like a security blanket to right. have a buddy to go with. And so that's a good way to get into presenting if you're just really fearful. Yeah. I mean, nobody has to do it. If it feels like an absolute nightmare, then you should not force yourself to do it. There's other ways to establish that kind of thought leadership. You can do a blog. You can have a presence on Twitter. So 
it's not necessary, but I do think that it's a great way to get known in the industry, to make some connections. So I love it when people want to speak and are new to it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Sometimes being nervous is fine. I've had people who were really nervous and they got up there and they said, I'm sorry, I'm really nervous. This is my first talk. Yeah. And as long as you've got the content, people are so forgiving of that. Everybody right. knows. Everybody's had the nightmare about being on their underwear in this school auditorium (laughs) (laughs) or whatever so people are very understanding and kind yeah i think that is also it's hard to gauge how other people perceive your nervousness Mm -hmm. Uh, i know sometimes when i say that i'm nervous people are like oh i could never even tell like you just sound so calm and collected i think that i also see that a lot from presenters because i'm in that learning mode i'm ready to learn so i'm not necessarily focused on the nerve level of the presenter Mm -hmm. i'm more so focused on the content like you were saying yeah yeah and if it makes you feel better to say I'm really nervous. And then people are like, oh, it's okay. You got this. Then fine. But you don't have to give yourself away either. The one thing that I can tell you from working with hundreds of speakers for a long time, because I also did this even before I came to SANS, I did this sort of speaker management, Mm -hmm. is that everybody on that stage, no matter how accomplished they are, has imposter syndrome at that moment. Right. single person is being up there thinking, who the hell do I think I am up here right now and being afraid that somebody's going to throw them a question that's going (laughs) to expose the fact that they actually don't know anything. I have no clue what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. So Chris, what was a tip that you've taken to kind of reach that confidence level that you're at today going up with no slides and just right. feeling confident about your, your knowledge. So I, I did a, a training program a long time ago. It was an executive training program and it would go through this questionnaire of like situations that you would feel the most comfortable. I actually would be most comfortable going up on stage with absolutely nothing prepared. And it's because I like to handle pressure situations and almost it's like it sets the bar really low for me because it's like if it doesn't go well I didn't prepare but if I over prepare and it really goes south then it's like you know that's like a hit to my my personal ego and so for me I like the the challenge of speaking I like going out there and you know bringing really good content to everybody and so I actually really didn't start speaking like in the community until this year when I did the lightning talk that was my first Uh, foray into the community speaking. And I said, you know, from that point forward, I was going to start putting myself out there. And so I put myself in high stakes situations. I did my first stand-up comedy uh, routine this year. (laughs) We did our first, you know, spoken uh, word uh, poetry uh, session this year. So I really have been challenging myself. And as you challenge yourself, I think you get that that additional confidence that you need to really deliver a good talk. That's such a great tip. I know a lot of people who have used improv, even if that was not really their area of interest or something they wanted to pursue professionally, but they've used improv to get used to the kind of adrenaline rush and fear and excitement of being in front of a crowd doing some speaking. So that's really good. There's also a lot of smaller ways that you can practice. Some people will find a Toastmasters chapter or just, you know, if you have a professional association or a meetup that you do, you just kind of take turns doing it and critiquing each other. And so you can start small until you feel like, okay, if I can do this for 15 people, 
I can do it for 150 people, especially if you're on a stage with bright lights in your face and you can't see the crowd anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does, that does <laughs> help. Helps. And I yes. do also want to give a shout out to Ann Ricketts. Ann Ricketts actually helped me prepare for this talk. I, I really wanted to take this talk uh, seriously. I, I didn't just walk up there with the slides I made yesterday to try to challenge myself. I actually really wanted to prepare because, number one, this is my first time really speaking on the behalf of Netflix. And also, it's my first keynote. And so I really wanted to do the whole process justice. And so Netflix has Ann Ricketts that coaches a lot of our, our executives for their speeches and, and talks and things like that. And so I definitely had her help, and it really helped me tremendously for my delivery. Yeah. One of the things that I think helps me the most is going through those improvised events like mm -hmm. the meetups and trying to host things like the podcast. It teaches me how to be more uh, calm and collected when I am presenting and something goes wrong. Like maybe the, the microphone stops working the way I expected to or I just have a brain fart and I forgot the, what this slide uh, was supposed to convey to the audience. So I think like the improv stuff is, is really huge. That yeah. is such a good point because that is what really sets apart a polished, experienced speaker from somebody that the audience is going to end up perceiving as a jerk. Stuff happens, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like you were saying when Sherry Caltagirone was giving her keynote, a couple of times she kind of bumped her microphone and it made a loud noise. She just kept going. Yep. She yep. didn't say, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah, so, right. you know, being apologetic, it's totally cool to say, I'm kind of nervous. I'm super impressed by the level of people in this room and I have imposter syndrome being in front of you, but I'm really excited to share this project with you and get your feedback and learn from you guys. So that's cool. But, you know, being kind of meek and apologetic about things can kind of undermine your authority. And then people right. are thinking, well, what's she doing up there? What's he doing up there? What you're apologizing to me about everything. Right. So just being super cool. I've had people who had difficulties with AV stuff, either because something went wrong or because they didn't know how to use the clicker to right. advance the slides. And just their kind of natural reaction is to get frustrated. And I understand that. But then it comes across as like getting pissy with our AV team. And that's not a good look. No. So, right. so practicing in situations where things are likely to go wrong and just you just keep going. That's that's huge. Yep. Yeah. So there was uh, obviously there are different types of speakers and it's always best when people speak from uh, a place of authenticity, mm -hmm. like be who you are up on stage. Yep. What are some of your favorite styles of speaker? Oh, I think that you're so right is that you can tell who is just coming from a really genuine place. Who's there because they're excited and they want to show what they've done because they want to learn from people in return. Yep. And and also to your point about preparation, it's so important to know yourself, whether you're somebody who wants to do it once so you know the material, but then you want to feel the fear so you seem right. engaged when you do it, or whether you're somebody who wants to have it practically memorized to the point where you could do it without slides, that doesn't work for everybody because right. that can come across seeming really rehearsed. Yep. But I'm an over-preparer. I could never do anything without slides. So <laughs> yeah. knowing yourself, having I just feel like having that confidence in your presentation, I will say one thing that tends to flop is trying to be funny. Or trying, uh, right. trying to pull off a bit. Yep. I mean, if you're funny, you're funny. Or if you have a, a funny meme on one of your slides that that goes with your content and happens to be funny, that's great. But I would say trying too hard to make it funny or to pull off some kind of gimmick. You know, we've had people who were trying to do a theme that went with a superhero movie or something, and they would actually 
come in costume and right. you can take those kinds of things too far. Just yeah. Be authentic. Yeah. That's the hardest thing about being in front of people, but it's also the most important thing because no matter whether you've ever done speaking or not, whether it's your first conference or your hundredth conference that you've been to, you can tell when someone is being their authentic self. Hats off to anybody that does comedy and it lands in a technical talk. Like people like Rob Lee, without without skipping a beat, off the cuff, super funny. To me, I'm kind of funny in like social settings, but I am scared to death <laughs> to try to do anything funny up on stage because I, I'm just <laughs> so afraid for it to not land. But like hats off to people that can do it. Yeah. Well, Robert Emley isn't usually trying to be funny. He's just really sarcastic. And so people assume he's kidding. Right. So it comes off really funny. <laughs> and my favorite kind of funny people are like David Bianco. You know, he wasn't trying to be funny at all, but he just said something about, you know, math for the win. And mm-hmm. I, so I like that really dry understated comedy that right. tends to work really well when it comes as a little bit of a surprise somebody's expecting a serious technical talk and mm-hmm. then something is just a little funny in that but yeah you can't you can't manufacture that you right. should not be rehearsing jokes and bits before your technical talk <laughs> that's that's what you can go do at improv or right. open right. mic night <laughs> yeah absolutely elsewhere yeah what else do you have cooking up what it, what's across uh, the horizon for you when it comes to uh, the events and also the speaking yeah. There is never a break. Summits never stop. Mm-hmm. So I'm already onto events for Q2 of 2020. Wow. So, wow. yep. Uh, it's always going. And so my goal is always just to find new, fresh speakers who I love finding people who have never been to a SANS event before at mm. all. And those are the kind of people I like to put on our advisory boards. I think you were new to SANS, right. Ron, and I saw your profile in the Tribe of Hackers book that yep. Marcus Carey and Jen Jen did. Very cool. And I was reading about all your credentials and I thought, he is perfect for the DevOps Summit. And so I love when people come in and have, you know, the technical background, but are new to SANS because I don't, summits are great. They've been around longer than I have, and it's a really good model, and there's a lot of value. But I don't want to just keep doing the same thing forever because it worked. And so when people come in who have been to other conferences, but not my conferences, you might have new fresh ideas. You're not trying to say, well, last year you did this, so let's do it again this way. You're just like, hey, what if we added this kind of session? So I am always looking for fresh perspectives, people who are new to SANS, um, always, always looking to increase our diversity. We have a partnership with ICMCP, Mm-hmm. which is the International Consortium of Minor- Minority Cybersecurity Professionals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking to create opportunities for people who might not otherwise be in a position where they are encouraged to go out and take on these kind of leadership roles in speaking. And also I mentioned our partnership with WISP. So anybody who needs a little extra coaching or a little extra encouragement, people can always contact me even from the earliest stages, just seeing a CFP announcement, which is our call for presentations. So Mm -hmm. we do that for every summit and just seeing it and saying, oh, they're looking for speakers for that event. I don't know. I have a cool project, but I don't know. I've never, I've never spoken before. I am happy to help from that stage on Mm -hmm. even helping somebody put together a CFP that will get noticed and stand out. Yeah. So Perfect segue. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for giving us this time. Also for seeing something in us. A uh, personal thank you for allowing me to be the keynote for this event. For people that do want to reach out to you and want to stay abreast of all the things that SANS has going on for the summits and even ask you about tips for speaking, what are the best ways for people to stay in contact with you and 
keep in touch with what's going on with SANS? Sure. We have summit at sans.org. We'll come right to me. Sans.org slash summit. We'll give, tell you all of our upcoming summits and also any CFPs that are currently open. And I am Sans Jen, just one N, S-A-N-S-J-E-N on Twitter. I'm not great at responding <laughs> to DMs, but if you tag me on something, I will try to get it there. So yeah. And worst case scenario, Santiago at sans.org. And I would love to help. Great. Thank you so much for the time. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes. See you next time. 